Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Ferraro 20, save you 20% at two under. The number two, UNDR, the best men's underwear out there. Please support them. A lot of NHL players right now, including Martin Jones, who's in the uh, Stanley Cup semifinals. He runs two under, and uh, you guys should try that, too. We thank, uh, thank you for listening. With me on the show, a repeat guest. Stanley Cup winner, uh, former um, uh, Calgary Flame, Colorado Avalanche, Buffalo Sabre, uh, Los Angeles Kings. Robin Regeer, what's up, Robin? How are you, man? Hey, Steve. I'm doing really, really well. We've uh, we've been blessed with a mild uh, winter up here in Calgary and a beautiful spring, so things are things are going well. I imagine you probably miss out on a lot of hockey due to your sledding and your your uh, bike sleds and everything else. Sounds like you're quite into it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think I got uh, around seven trips out to Revelstoke, British Columbia mm-hmm. this winter and uh, really had a great time. So I didn't watch a whole lot of hockey, I guess, during the regular season. But uh, when playoffs started up, then uh, then I got into it because uh, that's the best uh, best part of hockey and best time of the year to watch it. Look, I'm Canadian. You're Canadian. You live there. I live down in the U.S. But I cannot believe no Canadian teams made the playoffs. I, I, and you know what? People... The Sportsnet guys, I imagine, are, are feeling it rating-wise. And I love hockey, but it does – it did cause me to lose a bit of interest. i got to be honest. It really did. Yeah, it, it just doesn't feel correct uh, to, to me. And, uh, you know, I know it's a big deal up here in, uh, in Canada, uh, especially with viewership. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a, it was a tough year for, for all of them. Uh, I'm really happy to see, even though I'm not a Toronto Maple Leafs fan – uh, I do know Mike Babcock uh, quite well from, uh, from mm-hmm. being up at the lake in Saskatchewan. And we actually uh, we ski, uh, slalom ski together uh, a little bit in the summertime. And uh, I'm just really happy that they got the, the first pick because uh, because they need it. They need to get yeah. that organization going. Uh, those fans have been through a lot of agony here for the last number yeah, of you're, years. You're telling yeah. me. I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a Leaf fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's sucked. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I just think that uh, – you know he needs uh, he needs another two or three well probably two years before uh, they they get going again but I uh, I can't wait to see that because the league needs that they need teams like uh, Montreal and Toronto to do to do really well yeah it's weird because like you know there's sixty well fifty two percent of the league is Canadian or fifty five percent of the league is Canadian something like that so all these teams that are left these final four teams they're stocked with Canadians you think it wouldn't matter one way or another. Um, but again, like I just, I feel a little less interest. Just that there's no Canadian teams at the beginning to kind of follow, and and you know, I don't know. It's weird. It's it's a weird deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think what it shows, uh, Steve, is the um, is the loyalty that uh, the Canadian hockey fans have to to their teams, mm-hmm. which uh, which I you know I think is uh, is one of the best in sports, and they uh, they really love their their teams and. You know, you could also see when uh, when a Canadian team, for example, uh, Calgary in uh, in '04 or um, Edmonton in '06 or Ottawa, mm-hmm. or whatever team it was, Vancouver one year that 
as the team progressed through the playoffs and, and all the other Canadian teams dropped out, there was only one. Uh, most of the country got behind that team, even yeah. though you know they were rival fans during the regular season. Uh, they got behind that Canadian team in, in the playoffs. So th- there is uh, there is a lot of support here uh, in in Canada for the uh, the Canadian teams. Um, getting back to uh, Babcock a little bit, um, it, it was funny as a Leafs fan. I couldn't have been happier with this year, and they were the worst team in the league. Do you know what I mean? It was weird. Um, I was stoked. It worked out so good. Like Van Riemdijk and Bozak, they all got hurt for a long time. They missed big periods of time. It's exactly what you want, you know. And it ended up that you know, yeah, they got the number one pick, and and it, it's one of those things where it was like it was a successful year. Yet they're the worst team in the league. <laughs> well, they they went through a lot with uh, with the trades in the uh, the prior off season and then a few uh, big trades during the season like you said with mm-hmm. injuries things like that but uh, you know whether they want to own up to it or not uh, about the tanking it, it did work out <laughs> know, very right? well for for oh, them yeah. and uh, you know it's even though I'm I'm not a huge fan of Toronto I as a as a hockey fan in general yeah. Uh, it's good to see them actually get the uh, get the pick, and the Oilers not get the first pick uh, for once. You know that was just I, I know, right? if the Oilers if the Oilers would have got it again, uh, I, know. I don't know there would have been uh, there would have been heads rolling uh, somewhere because yeah, uh, you just can't believe that uh, that happened. Now you were never coached by Babcock, but like you said, you know him, uh, Ferraro, who's a, who's a friend of mine. I talked to Ray about him. Ray's met him a few times, and Ferraro's like, when you have a beer with the guy. You want to like join his side. You want to fight. You'll fight through anything for him if he asks you to do. If he asks you to jump on the spot a hundred times, you would do it. He's that kind of conviction. He's that kind of passion. Uh, is that what you see in Mike? Is that what you understand why he's a successful coach? Well, there, there's a few different uh, things, and, and um, you know, I've spent some time with Mike. We've we've actually been stuck on a couple airplanes uh, together, okay. uh, flights from Calgary to Saskatoon, just randomly. We were sitting uh, right next to each other <laughs> and then uh, running in, running into each other at, at the lake in the summertime. Um, you know, first of all, I think uh, is, is Mike's willingness to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I distinctly remember him as we were uh, as we were chatting on the airplane, he brought out his phone and he started typing on it. And, I, and he's like, well, you know, excuse me, Robin, I just... What what you're saying? There's some really there's some really interesting things that I want to retain. <laughs> so he was actually entering them into into his phone as as little reminders to oh, to himself uh, during our conversation. And yeah, yeah. you know, he asked me about his team and some of his players and what I thought. So you know, to me, that's someone that is always looking for for more information, more knowledge, mm-hmm. and his his willingness to learn. And I think that's very important. Uh, you know, I think he's a lifelong learner, and and that's uh, that's one of the reasons why he's uh, attained uh, the level that uh, that he has. And he keeps pushing uh, at it too. He's not uh, he's not satisfied. Uh, the next thing is his intensity. And you know, I'm talking like we're skiing at uh, at six thirty seven in the morning, uh-huh. and he. Uh, He's got that intense scowl, you know, whatever you want to call it, that uh, he has behind the bench there. He's got that on in the morning as as he's skiing. And, you know, he has people doing video, taking video of, him, of himself 
as he, he skis, <laughs> and then he'll watch his, his video and kind oh, of see how he's skiing and doing. Like this guy, he he is just so intense, mm-hmm. and it's all about improvement and you know what he can do. And it, you know, it's just I I have a sometimes I laugh when I when I watch it because you know I'm out there just right. skiing, getting some exercise, having fun, and and you know trying to trying to do well. But I just don't take it to to that level. But right, right. I think that's one of the reasons why he. He's done with uh, what he has and also why he ended up choosing to go to Toronto because, um, in my opinion, that's one of the biggest challenges in the league, not just with the team, mm-hmm. but also with dealing with uh, the media, the fans, and the uh, the intensity that uh, that they have there and the criticism that they have there. It's a huge challenge for him, but uh, he was willing to step up and take it. You know what was funny was his comments to the media, his post-game scrums, his, his interviews in the – he he basically I didn't I mean he just told the media whatever they wanted to hear but then you would watch his actions on the on the bench as in terms of ice time in terms of deployment and that's kind of what he felt about the player he'd be pumping up a player in the media you know obviously and you're not following him as close as I am he'd pump up Kadri or pump up this guy in the media and then the next game he you know the guy barely sees the ice and you're like well what was that all about I think he just like, whatever, he just pumps up his guys to the media over and over. You know what I mean? He's never negative publicly. And then, then when you see him coach, you see, okay, this is what he really thinks of these guys, or this is what he's really doing. Well, that's the ultimate hammer that uh, that the coach has, in my opinion, and, and that's the allocation of ice time. You know, if uh, if a player is not performing, you cut their mm-hmm. minutes. And if a player is, you uh, you grant them more, and, and away they go. That is the, the, the biggest hammer that they have, really, uh, the media and how they how a coach deals with the media, a lot of it is uh, is as you kind of alluded to, is posturing. Mm-hmm. It's posturing for maybe the other team that's reading press clippings or or the fan base that's maybe not happy with that that player and the coach is either protecting them or or you know trying to uh, or maybe exposing them. It de- depends on what what they're what they're thinking, but uh, a lot of it is just posturing. It's the like like you like you mentioned the the, the best way. To uh, get a feeling of mm-hmm. what a coach thinks of a player is to look at those uh, ice time sheets, and uh, that's uh, that's yeah. black and white. All right. Um, so Penguins, Lightning, Blues, Sharks are left. Um, you haven't been out of the league very long at all. And so what I understand is you guys, meaning you retired guys, you cheer for buddies. Do you have any buddies left that you're cheering for? That, that's exactly right. We, <laughs> I am cheering for buddies and. You know, I I would lo- I'm so happy that uh, that St. Louis and San Jose are in the uh, Western Conference Final. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm really cheering for uh, for a guy like Jay Bowmeister. Um, you know, still very good uh, friends with Jay, and mm-hmm. and uh, we get along quite well with his family, his wife uh, Devin, and uh, and he's got two girls. They're just very nice people. So I'm I'm cheering for him all the way. Um, you know, Martin Jones is another. Uh, Guy that I'd uh, I'd call a friend and former teammate, and but you know he's he's been there. He was part of uh, a championship winning uh, team already. Mm-hmm. So you know I'm cheering for for Jay and, and the Blues in uh, in that one. And then the uh, the Eastern Conference Final, uh, I was actually cheering for Washington because of uh, friendships with Justin Williams and Mike Weber on uh, on right. the Capitals. But um, you know seeing that they're eliminated now, I I really it doesn't matter to me who uh, who wins that one. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. Both uh, conference finals because you you really have the speed and uh, and skill of uh, of the East I think which is going to be 
a little bit more wide open and uh, and and that type of game where the West, I think, is, with St. Louis is, and San Jose is going to be a little bit more of a grinding, uh, forechecking type of uh, type of series. So it's going to be two very different uh, uh, conference finals, but uh, I think they'll both be interesting in their in their own right. Um, yeah, a couple of on the West side, a couple of tortured franchises, a little bit, a couple of guys that, a couple of teams that have you know been had expectations and kind of threw it away. So it should be interesting which team can can kind of break through here, at least make the Cup Finals, right? I mean, because both teams have been favored over the years to do stuff, and they never have. So it's uh, definitely uh, both both teams have been bridesmaids uh, multiple times here, and uh, that's that's why. Um, it should be mm-hmm. a really great, you know, both series. I think will be right. will be good, but uh, that St. Louis uh, San Jose one should be uh, should be a great one because they those teams both realize what's at stake, and uh, you know, it's a it's a chance to play for the Stanley Cup. What do you think is gone? And you've gone you you've beat the Sharks with Joe Thornton and Marlowe and those guys. Um, a lot of the the same guys are there from when you beat them a few times. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, what's always been their issue? Do you think? Like, did you guys have? Uh, let's say Calgary when you ran, when you went to the finals, you beat them that year. Did you guys have a game plan against Thornton, or did, do, do, do people know how to beat Joe um, and the Sharks at, at at their game? Because man, they've had some great teams, and they just you know whether it's uh, you weren't on the Kings team that beat them four straight when they were down three nothing. I don't think that I think that was the year after. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I was uh, I was on the Kings team in the N fourteen that we did yeah. come back. Okay, that. And, yeah, and so like, yeah, so I, I, what's the deal yeah. with these guys? Well, I think um, you know they people are down on on Joe. Let's talk about him mm-hmm. first, I guess. They're, they they get down on Joe because uh, I think of his personality. You know, he he um, he's a guy that uh, has a laid back uh, personality. And he's never uh, going to be a, a high energy rah 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 type of uh, mm-hmm. type of guy, but uh, that, that's that's just the way he is. And and he, you're not going to change that personality. I think people have tried and, and have get get frustrated with that. But if you look at uh, his numbers, both in the regular season and, and postseason, he's actually been a pretty effective player. And mm-hmm. you know, I think Patrick Marlowe, you know, another guy that's been there for forever, uh, is the same way. He's a, kind of a quiet guy that. Uh, you know, not uh, not bouncing around the room or the ice, but he just kind of quietly goes about and does uh, does his thing. So, um, you know, when they haven't had success, uh, people have pointed to those two guys specifically uh, very quickly mm-hmm. and said, "Well, you guys are you know you can't elevate your game when you need to or this and that." But that's that's their personality. You're not going to change right. that personality. Uh, you know what I think is is different is um, you know I don't know uh, the new coach there Pete DeBoer right. very well but I think uh, you know having a having a fresh face uh, behind the bench has uh, has given uh, given them uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of life and mm-hmm. some kind of rejuvenated them a little bit but um, you know I don't think the um, the discounting of uh, you know the the player that Brent Burns has turned into he's been very effective on the back end yep. and also having solid solid goaltending uh they you know back when i first met them it was uh happy uh or sorry uh nabokov, sorry, nabokov, nabokov yep. in the uh in that and you know it was kind of he was kind of okay but um you know he'd be on or off and then uh niemi and you know kind of same same thing yep but i think uh martin jones having played in front of him in in la and seen the type of personality he has and also the type of player he is he's a very steady guy he's a he's just Steady as she goes, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's able to bounce back if something bad 
happens. He can bounce back very quickly, and and he's learned that uh, he learned that from Jonathan Quick, and you know over the years, uh, kind of perfecting or trying to perfect what he does, and that that stability in net, I think has uh, has meant that the uh, the guys in front of him play with a lot more confidence, and it's led to to a belief, and mm-hmm. you know it's uh, it's actually a lot of fun to to watch when a team uh, believes in itself and and what they're doing, and and I think that's where where they are right now. Joe seems to me to be, if I'm a defenseman, that you know what you were. Joe seems to me almost like a, maybe not as good, but and maybe not, and he's not his prime anymore. But a little bit like Yager, where he's a big, he sticks his butt out, he slows things down. You can't get the puck back from him in the corners, and the guy's pretty, uh, pretty tough to defend. Uh, do I have him right? Do you, do you agree? Yeah, I think he uses his body and, and his strength really well. Uh, the thing with uh, with Joe that makes him so good, in my opinion, is that he makes the players around him a lot more effective. You know, he turned a guy by by the name of Jonathan yeah. Pichu into yeah. a, a fifty plus goal scorer. You know, and and uh, and then you know mm-hmm. four fourish years later, uh, he was he was out of the league when yeah. he wasn't playing with uh, with Joe. So you know, a guy like that. It, you know those those really really good to great players. They uh, they improve the players that are playing around them, and that's uh, that's what he does. Uh, his his passing. You know he's always been known as a playmaker, but he's able to use that big body and strength of his to bring people to him and then move the puck uh, past you to uh, to one of his teammates. And you know the I guess the most underrated player that uh, you know in the years has been Joe Pavelski yeah. in San Jose, and he's really stepped up. I think he's got something like nine goals or ten goals, something like that now in uh, in the playoffs, and he's really really done uh, done a good job for them. And uh, you know he he stepped up, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, he's uh, he's. He's having a heck of a heck of a run right now. You talk about Joe and you know, kind of people wanting more raw, raw, and more passion. It kind of goes back to your buddy Bo Meester that you said you're cheering for. Now Jay was never a superstar like Joe, so you know maybe a little under the radar. But for years, and this is just from the outside, reading quotes and and things like this, and listening to media guys, that was Jay Bo Meester's quote unquote problem. They wanted him to drop the gloves. They wanted him to uh, fight. Uh, they kind of held, you know, he went 800 games without playing in the playoffs or whatever it was until finally getting in. He just, I think people had a hard time accepting that he's just, he's a kind of a passive guy. He's going to give you 20 minutes. He's going to make very little mistakes. He's good offense. He's good defense. Uh, a guy kind of got a bad rap for a number of years, but maybe somehow people are coming around to him. Yeah, like I think when uh, when lots of people think about uh, athletes in in professional sports, they they think that uh, you know these guys should be uh, jumping around right. and doing these high energy kind of uh, over the top confident uh, type of uh, type of people or, or players or you know project that and mm-hmm. you know Jay Jay's not like that uh, you know as a, as a person he's uh, he's a very quiet uh, private person and and uh, that, like, that's his personality and he he plays to that. It's just like society, right? It's just like society, like at a work, like any, any kind of work job or anything. It's just full of other people, full of yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 shows up. He uh, you know Jay shows up to work and very professional. Does uh, comes into the camp and uh, he was always in very good shape because uh, you know he loves to be outdoors, loves to hike and mm-hmm. and bike and do things like that. So he was ready to roll, but uh, but yeah, you wouldn't find him. You know, at the at the front of the bus, yelling and screaming on a on a road trip, or you know, right. doing that type of stuff. That that just wasn't uh, wasn't him. 
And, uh, you, you know, you're not going to change that as much as uh, you're going to try as a coach or mm-hmm. as a teammate or a fan or anything like that. You're, you're never going to change that. That's, that's who he is as a, as a person. I always found it funny, like, you watch those 24-7s or, or you know, you kind of talk to buddies or whatever. And, again, this is just from the outside. The guys who play six, seven, eight minutes a game are the ones yelling and screaming in the dressing room and have all this emotion. And at the end of the day, they, they don't affect the game much. There must have been times on teams you were on, Robin, where you kind of rolled your eyes a little bit and you're like, all right, buddy, calm down. Like, we're going to get this done. Like, you know, our big guys have to win this thing or lose this thing for us, you know? Yeah, I, I agree 100% on that, that, uh, you know, some of what, you know, I guess you can call them more of the role players, mm-hmm. that uh, they are the, the more high-energy ones. But you know what the, you know what that is? They're trying to uh, to add as much as they can to the team. So, you know, they're not, uh, maybe they're not playing as much as they want, but yet they're, they're trying to help out. They're trying to keep the energy up. And it's all about doing, just trying to do something uh, to uh, to help the team. And I, and I think that's the belief in uh, in a lot of those guys. But uh, it is. It's the big guys. You, you know, there's usually three, maybe four of the big ones on uh, on each team that uh, that drive your your team. Because you know, when your big players are going, they're going to uh, kind of uh, attract in all the other kind of fringe players that you know they they're kind of on the fence of. Well, am I going to go and win that puck battle or am I not? You know, you mm-hmm. might have a really skilled kind of soft winger that you know he can go either way mm-hmm. and when they see when they see your big guys in your team you know fighting through checks and you know taking the body and driving to the net and you know second efforts and things like that it brings those other fringe type players or the mm-hmm. kind of the players on the fence with them and it drives then critical mass and going in the right direction and you know that's the challenge of the team and you know, your leaders have to be a part of that. Your coaching staff has to be a part of that. And, and your role players do. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's, the, that's the fun part about being uh, on a team is, is trying to get everyone going in that same direction. So when a guy like Vinny LeCavalier and Aginla threw, dropped the gloves a lot, no big deal there. But when, when LeCavalier and Aginla go at it, um, that does make a difference, you think? That does get people pretty excited on the oh, team? For sure yep. it does. Yep. For sure it does. Yeah, when they, when they uh, fought each other in uh, in '04. You know, everyone, uh, everyone on both teams took notice of that, and that, that just showed you how much uh, each captain uh, on uh, on either team uh, wanted to win that uh, that championship and then hoist that Stanley Cup. So that has so a does, huge. Yeah. So it really does. On it really game. does do something. Yeah. Then that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that and that's one of the reasons why you know I I don't want to see fighting uh, eliminated, totally right. eliminated from from the game. You know, especially that spontaneous type of uh, action where you know you just have two two players two leaders that are uh, mm-hmm. that are wanting something so bad that uh, they're willing to fight for it yeah interesting yeah it's funny like there's a big cry to get rid of fighting and i, I gotta be honest i don't really care like it doesn't it doesn't I don't, i'm not a fan of the stage fighting i'm not a fan of just fighting the fight uh it happens and everything but if i find that the, the quote-unquote the times that it, it happens are getting rarer and rarer um but yet, whenever I talk to ex-NHL players, and Dave Manson was the last guy I just talked to, yourself, a lot of guys, and even guys who didn't play that way, they don't want it to. They don't want to get rid of it. They think it has a place in the game. And so I think a lot of the media in the NHL maybe are looking at it, but when you talk to the guys that are actually playing, they're actually in the trenches, they're all like, no, it's needed. If it's not there, there will be, you know, sticks to the face of our star players and this and like that that's a real belief. So I'm starting to lean towards starting to change my opinion a little bit because 
I'll talk to guys like you that, that have played it and say, like, it's needed. Well, there, there's so many little kind of intricacies that, that fighting affects in, yeah, in the game. Yeah. And I think the, the big thing is, um, you know, when, when a media personality, which are, are usually very left kind of leaning uh, personalities, they, they get on a, get, get on some sort of tangent, then everyone kind of piles on. And, and, you know, a lot of those uh, people haven't played the game at a, mm-hmm. at a high level and they don't understand some of the things that, that go on there with, with the fighting. Yep. Uh, but, but I agree the the change has, has happened in that you're seeing a, a reduced number of fights and, and uh, the enforcer type of role is being phased out. And there's things like that, uh, that, that happened that I think are, are positive, but uh, in the overall aspect of the game, mm-hmm. but to actually eliminate fighting totally from the game, uh, I don't think is, uh, is the right, uh, is the right deal. It's um, it's going to take care of uh, of itself if people want to uh, police themselves a little bit out there. If you see your star player uh, get a dirty uh, dirty check or something happening to him, uh, someone trying to take advantage of him out on the ice, you need to you need to answer the the bell with with that and challenge uh, that 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 opposition that's mm-hmm. doing that or set set a tone out there that you're not your team's not going to get pushed around anything like that and and fighting has. Uh, an ability to to do that, so I think it um, I think it is uh, it has a role to play in in hockey. How important, uh, you know, that's up for debate. But it is part of hockey and and one that uh, I think should uh, should stay in it uh, at at you know some mm-hmm. sort of ability. Let me share with you a little theory I have, and you can tell me if I'm just full of shit or or what, okay? Because again, it's just <laughs> just a fan's theory. I hear all these guys, I hear the media guys, I hear I hear all these people talk about, but you know, can this goalie win a Stanley Cup? Can he take you to a Stanley Cup? And you know, no, no, you know, like Bernier or or, or any of these guys, you know, they say I can't see winning a Stanley Cup with this guy. You got to go get a Cup winning goalie, blah blah blah. But you know, to me, and I've always thought this. Um, uh, Cam Ward, uh, Happy Bulin, who beat you guys in the, with the Lightning. Uh, Niemi uh, won um, this year's Final Four. Martin Jones, Brian Elliott, Ben Bishop, and Matt Murray. This rookie kid uh, that's playing for Pittsburgh. Like none of them are these "quote unquote" Stanley Cup winning goalies. Well, one of them's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I always feel like this is just a media creation. Like, okay, having a great goalie helps. There's no doubt. You know that. We all know that. There's, there's no doubt that the pedigree of a great goalie helps out. But like. One of these four goalies I just named is going to win the Stanley Cup, and then they're going to be, oh, he took you to the Stanley Cup. But right now, nobody would have bet on these four guys carrying a team to a cup. Nobody would have bet Cam Ward, Happy Bulin, Niemi. I just think this whole media thing about you know a Stanley Cup winning goalie, like you don't know it until you do it, and anybody can do it. Anybody can get hot. Anybody can play well, um, and I just think it's a little bit of a myth. I think it's a little bit of a uh, of a thing to kind of discredit a goalie. Like, these guys are all pretty good. They can take you to a cup. Well, what, do, what do you think? Well, I, I agree. It's It gets very much overblown, in my opinion, and, you know, I'm really interested to watch the uh, the last four goalies in uh, in the conference finals because, you know, they uh, a, a few of them have, uh, if not all of them, have chips on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a guy like Brian Elliott, for example. You know, here's a guy that uh, he started the uh, being number one in in St. Louis the last few years, and and they've taken that away from him mm-hmm. during the uh, during the season. Whether they've brought in another goalie uh, like uh, 
like Miller, for example, or, or at Broder, went with yeah. Allen or right. Broder, you know, yeah. that like, and so here's a guy that, uh, you know, he has a huge chip on his shoulder and I'm so happy that he's played uh, as well as he has because he's, he's proving to, to people that, uh, you know what, he, he is capable of carrying uh, the, the number one label and, and mm-hmm. that type of, of load. Um, Martin Jones, very interesting because, you know, here he faced his, his former team in mm-hmm. the LA Kings in, in the first round and played really well. And so, you know, for, for him, I know uh, the squaring off against uh, Jonathan Quick was very motivating and the former team and, and that. So it was great to see that, uh, that he really, um, you know, was able to elevate uh, his game and uh, help that team have success so far. And then uh, Murray, like, it's just, you know, to me, that's unbelievable for a young guy to be able to, uh, to mm-hmm. step in there like that and, and handle the pressure of that because, you know, Pittsburgh – uh, is another team where they've had a lot of negativity uh, following yeah. their uh, playoff uh, playoff appearances in the last number of years, and and so um, you know props to him for uh, for being able to handle that and playing against some pretty good competition and uh, and being able to beat uh, beat that competition. Mm-hmm. You know he 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 stared down arguably the uh, the best goal in the league in the first round in Lundqvist and and was able to beat him. So that uh, that's that's pretty cool. And then. You know, the probably the one with the most experience, uh, as we were talking about before, is Bishop. You mm-hmm. know, having been to the finals, but but really he was kind of a, a bit of an unknown uh, until the last uh, last couple of years. Yeah. So um, you know, it is. It's I'm I'm very interested to watch the goaltending situation here in uh, in both series. And you know, I think they're uh, I give give credit to all of them because uh, they've done a great job to uh, to get their teams to where they're at. And uh, even though two teams can only two teams can move on, I think uh, this this experience for all four of them uh, is, is going to be great. But you agree a little bit then that it's overblown the type of people I, talking I, I about think yeah so. like yeah I think so like look at Jonathan Quick in twelve you know yeah. he really came he came out of uh, I'm not going to say nowhere but no yeah. you know, not really a well known guy and then was able to uh, you know just such a great competitor and, and athlete that uh, was able to uh, to win that year and then you know kind of uh, start building on his on his reputation uh Corey Crawford uh, played uh, played behind you know he's playing behind a very very good team but yep. you know he's also done a solid job so you know now he's got that reputation uh Carey Price uh you know really uh you know at one point they were wanted to run him out of Montreal <laughs> yeah no career and you know he, he hung on and you know now uh Olympic gold medalist and you know, probably the premier, uh, one of the premier goaltenders with with Lundqvist uh, in in the league. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, the the goalie position is so tough because uh, you are exposed. If you know you're the last line of yeah. of defense and and you're exposed, you're you're either a hero or a goat usually, and that's uh, there's, <laughs> there's 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 not a there's not a line no. in between that normally. No, I just I just think it's such a myth. It's just like these you know these guys. You can win the cup with anybody, uh, anybody good. You know what I mean? Not anybody, but anybody good can get hot, and you can get get behind a guy, and you can win a cup. And you know, Lundqvist, the media, and everybody talks about Lundqvist, and he is a great goalie. He hasn't been able to win the cup. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Kippersoff, you played. You played ahead of him. Um, he, you know, he, the, if someone said, "Oh, he could never take his team," he's one of. The, he was one of the best goalies, top five goalies in the league for ten years. Like that's all you can ask of a guy. If he doesn't win a cup, he doesn't make him a failure. You know, I mean, it's just I. I don't like that kind of narrative that gets spewed out about goalies. 
Yeah, all all you hope for as a as a team in front of a goaltender is that uh, they they play consistent and they give you a chance to win as a as a team and and all those those goalies that are able to do that that's that's what you want. Then it's up to to you as a team to go out there and you know do all the little things, score the goals when you need to, or prevent them, uh, play good defense, or you know have your special teams going. But you know you just you don't need some guy to mm-hmm. stand on his head all the time. You just need him to play good, consistent game and and give you a chance. And and if he does that, in my opinion, he uh, he's doing a pretty good job back there. Um, this Matt Murray kid for uh, uh, Mark Andre Fleury is back. He's fine. He had a concussion. He's he's been backing him up. Uh, I'm guessing if you're the coach, uh, Robin, you just run up, keep running him out until maybe if you're down three nothing or something, you decide to make a change. But otherwise, the net is his, right? Well, I think you run with him because he's hot and he and he's confident right now. And then I'm not sure exactly when you if if he does falter, um, maybe you give him one more shot. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, you also have to remember you got a, a proven winner in uh, Flurry there that is highly motivated to uh, to get back in there. So you know that if um, if Murray does falter if, when Flurry comes in. He's going to be, you know, by by having Murray play so well, that's going to make Flurry want to play that well, if not better, and kind of solidify his number one position again. So it's a, it's actually a really good uh, pro- position or problem if you want to look at it yeah. to have. In and uh, you've got two two goalies that are really wanting to uh, to be the guy. And uh, as a coach, that's that's a great position to be in. Um. What happened to uh, your LA Kings this year in the first round? Were you surprised at uh, sort of the way they bowed out? I mean, they made a return to the playoffs. They had a nice little season. And like LeClavier, uh, uh, Lombardi picking up Vinny, um, that was a, everyone kind of went, what, huh? And the guy was still proved that he could play, and, and we kind of were thinking, hey, the Kings could be set here again. Uh, I was surprised at kind of how, how sort of meekly they bowed out a little bit. I was a little bit surprised, and, and the reason is is that they actually had a, a very strong regular season compared to uh, what uh, what they normally do. Mm-hmm. They normally just kind of limp through the uh, regular season and kind of ramp it up uh, for the postseason, and away they go. But uh, this year it was opposite. You know, I went down to to visit the the players and the trainers and coaches at the beginning of April, and they they clinched so early that uh, that when they came into Calgary for one of our I think it was their second or third last game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to to the people down there, uh, especially the trainers and coaches, and said, "Man, our players just aren't playing very well at all. They're, oh, really? they're huh? just not yeah. into not into it." And so I think what they did was, uh, you know, they uh, they took their foot off the off the gas, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, too too early, and then uh, were not able to uh, to get back on it uh, early enough uh, in the playoffs. And but you know, it, it's not something where you can just flip the switch from playing. Uh, bad to to really well, and I think they uh, they were a little bit too casual heading into mm-hmm. the uh, the playoffs, and that cost them because um, you know they I watched that series quite clo- closely and and very disappointing the way that uh, the way that they they played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, so were you did, were you at the game? Was it Cal- in Calgary when they they had a three nothing lead, and it would have clinched the title, the division title? Was that the game or? Was that down in L.A.? There was a late-season game where they blew a big lead that would have clinched it. Yeah, that's uh, they were. Um, they actually came back in that game. Uh, they tied it with uh, L.A. tied it uh, with like under a minute left, and then they ended up winning in overtime. 
so that's the one that oh, okay. uh, that I would add. I think it was okay. April April fifth or sixth. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, you've been on the Calgary team that you were on that went to Game Seven. You, you didn't win it, but you know you definitely were an underdog. The Kings the Kings team that you did win it on were, were a fifth seed going into the playoffs. Uh, the Penguins changed their coach. Mike Sullivan came in um, and sort of faltered at the beginning. Everybody was kind of like, oh, I don't know. And as a Leaf fan, I was watching Castle a little bit, and people were taking shots at him, and Sydney had that slump. But they're 22-5 and five in their last little while. They look like they're going to – I think they'll beat Tampa. People, I, I, I think people are 50-50, but to me, they're going to beat them. Um, what happens to a team – and this is this is, goes back to your Calgary and LA experience. You just kind of get on a roll. What goes on a little bit? This everyone buys in, and and all of a sudden it's just like almost like magic in in a bottle for a little bit, huh? Well, I think what you just mentioned with uh, with all those situations was the the team at some point faced some sort of adversity. They didn't they didn't uh, have a cakewalk through the regular season, and by by being able to get through those those tough situations, whether it's um, injuries or a coaching change or, you know, you name it uh, or losing streak or something like that. Mm -hmm. They, they get to be, they get to be mentally a little bit tougher and have a little bit more confidence that they can pull out of something like that and away they go. And and I think that's a big reason why the president's trophy winner very rarely Mm -hmm. uh, wins, uh, wins the cup or, or does well in the, in the playoffs because it's just been a, a cakewalk for them, yep. uh, or, or too easy for them, all uh, all regular season. And um, you know, I think you need uh, kind of a tough tough team when you get into the playoffs, and and that's what happens when you're going through some of those uh, difficult situations as an individual and also as a team. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. Um, Daryl Sutter uh, re-signed with the Kings. There was talk he was uh, maybe going to battle it out for some more money, or maybe he'll walk away. Uh, maybe he'd get someone else. Uh, someone else would hire him. But he, he ultimately re-signed with the Kings. What are your thoughts on that? Were you were you kind of keeping track of that a little bit and finding out what uh, what Daryl was going to do? I was. Uh, I, I'm always interested to see what's happening with former former teams and, and teammates and coaches. So um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm. I'm a little bit surprised that uh, that he did uh, resign there, but oh, I know okay. that uh, yep. yeah, the, the, I know personally that uh, that Daryl uh, really enjoys living down in in Los Angeles. He <laughs> Who does uh, right? be, Yeah, being able to head out uh, out of the rink and go for walks on the beach, and you know, really, um, he does get recognized a little bit, but mm-hmm. but not to the to near the extent of up here in in Canada. And I think he really enjoys that being able to. Uh, leave the rink and uh, and just kind of leave hockey mm-hmm. behind for a little bit. Uh, so um, so that I think was very important to to him. But uh, his his uh, his wife Wanda and their and their family, their son Chris, uh, have been commuting, and I know that's kind of a difficult uh, situation. So maybe that will change now that uh, that he signed. Uh, I believe a multi year extension is from what uh, what I've heard. Um, that'll make things a little bit easier that way. Uh, but I uh, I kind of wanted to see uh, Daryl. Come uh, come north and uh, deal with uh, one of the Canadian teams because uh, there, I think he's, yeah. uh, was there he's talk a very about, good coach. Was there talk about going to Calgary? Was there talk about coming back? Uh, I don't know about Calgary, oh, okay. but um, you know I think Calgary, uh, in my in my opinion, I don't know if it'll happen or not, but I think they're going to go maybe in a little bit younger mm-hmm. direction. They've got a young young team, and they uh, they might look at uh, you know kind of a 
uh, a guy like Green or something like that that's coming uh, kind of an up and coming coach or or uh, Huska who they have I believe down in the minors or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I think they might may, may be leaning towards that. I I don't know, but that's just my mm-hmm. my opinion. Uh, but uh, but Daryl could uh, could have been a good fit for for a couple uh, couple teams up here and. You know who I would have loved to have seen him go to. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> they didn't have an opening. Is uh, is Edmonton? You know, I think oh, they're yeah. all up in Edmonton. Would have just been <laughs> awesome. You know, he could have whipped those uh, those oh, young okay. uh, young guys up there and into shape and, and got them playing the uh, the correct way. Can you imagine him just kicking them in the ass like McCl- uh, J- Jimmy <laughs> Noodles told me that it happened? Daryl would just kick guys in the ass behind the bench. <laughs> oh yeah, he's uh, you know when it comes to competition, those Sutters. There's not many uh, people that will match their intensity mm-hmm. in uh, in competition, and uh, oh yeah, he's just uh, some of the things he says and some of the things he does. <laughs> it's uh, it makes for makes for quite a bit of entertainment as long as it's not you, right? Like if right. he's uh, if he's after you, then then it's not so funny. But you, you know when when he's on a roll, you just you just hide and hopefully he doesn't see you. Yeah, uh, what were you when you said you were surprised? What, did you think he would get fired or leave? What, which 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 I, part did you think? I, I thought he was going to leave yeah. uh, personally, just because of uh, the family the situation yeah, yeah. and yeah. yeah, the commuting and uh, and just you know kind of on to uh, move on to the next challenge. But um, you know, I'm I'm not in his head. I don't know all the things that went into to making that uh, that mm-hmm. decision. Uh, but to me, I think that shows how much he really enjoys. Uh, being there down in uh, down in Los Angeles, he does seem like a coach though that would wear out that that whose voice whose message would get lost. I was impressed though how well they did this year. You know they missed the playoffs last year, so obviously, you know his hard driving kind of style is still working. But he does seem like a guy with a shelf life. His style, you know. But again, I don't know. But that's what it seems from the outside. No, that's exactly right. You know, he's a guy that um, you know he really. Uh, gets into guys' faces and challenges them, and yeah. and uh, some guys uh, some guys can deal with that, and some guys can't. And there's um, you know, in my opinion, there's a couple players on on the Kings that uh, that aren't dealing very well with uh, with that, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of why I'm surprised uh, too that that he's uh, he's coming back and, and signing the extension. But you know, that's up to them to uh, to deal with, and right. if they can do that, I think they'll be uh, be back near the top of the. Western Conference, and uh, and if not, then uh, they're going to be in trouble. Were you surprised getting back to your hometown team, the Flames? Were you surprised to let Hartley go? It kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. They didn't really give him a vote of confidence, but at the same time, it didn't seem like they were going to make a change. Well, I think Bob is uh, is a coach again, as we mentioned just previously, uh, that he's one of those older school uh, coaches that uh, that have a shorter shelf life and. You know, I think that um, that he did what he could here with uh, with the team. You know, he instilled uh, the uh, the work ethic and and a few things like that. But uh, the way he he does it, uh, he just does not last uh, very long mm-hmm. in uh, in a position. So, uh, am I surprised? I'm actually not surprised oh, at okay. all yep. that, uh, that it happened. But um, you know, I I was surprised when the the team did as well as they did uh, two years ago because you know they just. Uh, you know, in spite of uh, all the uh, predictions and stuff, they were able to come out and and have ride hot goaltending and a and a belief in in being able to come back in third mm-hmm. periods and overtime. Yeah, that it just it propelled them into the second into the playoffs and then into the second round, which was which was truly amazing to, yeah, was. to watch. Yep. But if you look at all the underlying fundamentals of their team, uh, all the analytics that people are into now and all the stats, really it was uh, yeah. yep. they were very lucky and. 
And so that doesn't, uh, you know, and that, that one, um, you know, Bob, the, the Jack Adams and got all the accolades and yep, stuff. Yep. But uh, really it wasn't a... Uh, that great uh, of a of a team in my opinion mm-hmm. they uh, they were just uh, they had that they got lucky a little bit but they also had that belief and they were able to capture that and and that's how they uh, they propelled themselves into the playoffs that johnny hockey can play though man he's he's oh, for man. real <laughs> yeah yeah they they have some really good young players that uh, you know i think are 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 guys that uh, that are kind of on the cusp of of greatness and you know that Monahan is a big, strong uh, mm-hmm. body, skilled. Uh, Johnny is just you know he's he's fun to watch. He, he, when he gets the puck, he's kind of like a like a Patrick Kane where yeah. you know he gets the puck and and he just makes something happen almost every time or or you know like a, he's just a, he's a very very uh, electrifying player out there and you know the the size and, and that just makes it even more amazing. He's able to do that. Uh, and then uh, a guy like Sam Bennett, you know, I think yeah. he's a very good young player that uh, showed some really good flashes this year, and I think he's got lots of potential too. So, you know, with that said, you know, that's why I think the uh, a, kind of a younger coach that uh, is able to maybe have uh, a little bit uh, better bond with the players and a little bit better message, I think would be uh, beneficial to the Flames. Classic move by my Leafs, letting Joel Colburn go, six foot four center, to keep Colton Orr and uh, Fraser McLaren. Good job, Nonis. Great job. Awesome. Thank you. Every time I see Colburn play, I'm like, oh man, big six foot four guy. You know, second, third line center. I'm like, thanks. Good job, Leafs. Yeah, I'm. I'm so happy to see Joe come back to his hometown and and actually uh, do really well. There's so many times where you know guys uh, come to the hometown and it's a real struggle for them, but mm-hmm. uh, seeing a guy like Kadri uh, really step up this year and uh, and elevate his game for Babcock in his hometown and also uh, Joe being able to do that here in in Calgary. Uh, I think that's awesome because there's an even uh, more added pressure other than you know playing professional hockey. You're you're where your mom and dad are, all your friends, sure, your family, yeah. all that kind, of, and uh, that that adds an, another level on that. And, and that's just awesome that those two guys can can do that and and continue to do that like uh, i think i think joe's still got more in him and i think mm-hmm. Kadri still still does uh, as well so there's still some really good upside in, in both those guys and uh you know i hope they they're able to achieve that last question for you robin regear here on the pulp mx uh, or pulp mx that's my other job pulp hockey podcast um now yager's a lot older but who retires first iggy or yager <laughs> Who hangs it up first? I mean, it seems like Yager is oh, going to go forever, and, and Iggy loves it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think Yager's going to uh, try to beat uh, Gordy Howe's record. Yeah, I know, of, right? Uh, you know, playing until, what fifty years old or something like that. Uh-huh. But he's yeah. he just uh, you know he's an amazing talent, and you know I, I was fortunate enough to play against him my first year way back in '99, and that was you know he was dominating yeah. with uh, you know I remember distinctly going into the igloo and in uh, Pittsburgh and you know he was on a line with Mario Lemieux and Kevin Stevens and they lit us up for uh, they lit us up for I think five goals that line or something I think one guy had uh, had one and four and one guy had three and two and yeah, you, know, yeah. you name it they were just right. they were doing it and and uh, you know I, I flew I actually flew my mom and dad into that was uh, one of their first games they watched on the road uh, with us and getting a chance to watch that that line play was uh, was definitely a highlight uh, for for them. But well, yeah, as you're, uh, but great. as you tr- as you're trying to chase those guys around and <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. As they're making me look foolish, but you know, you you learn you learn from the, that type of 
situation on, on how those players played and what level they played at. And it's uh, it's a really, really good thing to to, to show you, like, listen, uh, you, kid, you got lots to learn. And that was uh, kind of the way it was for for me. But uh, what Yager's been able to do for, for so long at that level is uh, is truly amazing. You know, Jerome always said that uh, he wanted to play till he was at least 40. But I think now, seeing what uh, what Yager's doing, you know, I think he could extend that. And you know, they, they how old, both, how old uh, is he? How old is Iggy? I think he's around thirty nine. Yeah, I was going to say he's got to get around up there, yeah. 30, 39 or so. Uh, maybe turning forty uh, this year, but I, I think he's right around that. And then, um, you know, that uh, that ability for those guys to stay away, first of all, from from a lot of major injuries mm-hmm. and uh, and stay in the shape that the, that they are. Uh, that's allowed them to to play that that way, and it's uh, it's awesome to watch. And I've I've even heard from Jerome's friends that now his kids, uh, who I believe uh, his oldest daughter is around twelve years old now, uh, they they even want him to continue to play because they enjoy <laughs> coming to the rink and watching him, and, right. and that. So that's a huge motivation for for him. Uh, I just hope that uh, he can be part of a team that uh, has a chance to uh, to win the Stanley Cup someday. Yeah, it's got to be tough for him because he's been on the move for a little bit. You can tell he still wants to play, though, and he's still good at it. But, you know, you think a little bit of him would be like, I don't want to deal deal with this again, you know? But, yeah. I think Jerome just loves the game. You know, he really enjoys the, the game, and uh, he's an extremely competitive guy. If you've ever had a chance to uh, to run into him, you know, challenge him to some sort of uh, <laughs> some sort of game, you know, whether it's ping pong or you, you name it, darts right. or whatever it is. And uh, the guy will want to beat you, and enjoys enjoys winning. So um, get him on a sled, you know, and show him what's up. Get him on a sled and show him what's up, Robin. <laughs> yeah, I think I I think I should be able to take him. Yeah, right. Well, hey, uh, Robin Regeer, thank you for your time here on the Paul Pocky Podcast. Always great to catch up. Really appreciate you uh, taking some time for us. And uh, yeah, have uh, have fun uh, with 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 whatever's going on. I know you will. You're uh, a guy who has a lot of interest uh, away from uh, the rink, of course. Now that you're retired, so thanks, man. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. You're welcome. Always a pleasure, Steve. All right. Thanks, Robin. Okay.